Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So this morning there are three questions that have been burning in my heart to share regarding the Holy Spirit and specifically centering around the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, One of them is a pretty general question, but who is the Holy Spirit? Um, Where is the Holy Spirit moving and what is the Holy Spirit inviting us into? And for some of us, the Holy Spirit wants to maybe introduce himself to you the first time this morning as you're already experiencing in worship the presence of God. And for some of us, he may want to reintroduce himself to us. And so wherever you are in your relationship or understanding of the Holy Spirit, there is something fresh that he wants to share with you this morning. So to begin our time, this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Um, First, the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, We often, because the Holy Spirit is so good at doing the things that he is about to do because he's listening to the Father, that we sometimes equate him or objectify him to what he does. Um, But he is a person. He is a co-equal with God our Father and Jesus Christ. And in this beautiful picture of the Trinity. And um, when we objectify the Holy Spirit, when we consider him only through the lens of the things that he does, we negate the person of who he is. Um, Just for example, I was just thinking about my husband. He's super supportive and just an awesome, handsome guy as ever sitting over there. But (laughs) if I only thought of him as the provider of my home, If I only thought of him as the father of my kids, then I would say that I only see him as a means to an end for my needs and resources. But if I truly want to know know him, oh, and here we go. Evan warned me about this, so thanks for bearing with me. But if I really not want to know my husband, truly to know him deep within, um, like how I know what he's thinking by his facial expressions or what things move his heart, then it's this commitment of unity that we disclose to each other, our fullest self, and we defer to each other in our needs. And from this, this is the privilege and honor of love and truly knowing, like deeply knowing each other. And this illustration is exactly what God longs for us, not to only know him, to conceive him, to ponder him, but he wants us to really know him, to deeply know him. And this happens through the person of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that comes and dwells within us deeply. And it happens um, because the Holy Spirit is deferring. He's pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is deferring and pointing to the Father. And the Father is pointing to the Son. And the Son is pointing to the Holy Spirit. And this picture that I'm describing of the Trinity pointing to each other is this um, beautiful picture, what's often called as the divine, divine dance. Um, There's a Greek term for it called perichoresis. And in Greek culture, there is this actual Greek wedding dance that you have three dancers that come together 
And they begin to dance in circles, and they have like a little, um, there's little movements. And before you know it, they start dancing faster and faster. And eventually, they're dancing so quickly and so synchronous, how do I say that word? Synchronously in rhythm that they just become a blur. You can't tell that there's three dancers. You can only see that there is one. And this is a picture of even what we hear of Jesus saying of himself when it says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And in Colossians 1.19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And we also hear this in scripture about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit, as we will learn that the Holy Spirit is deeply in communion, doing only what he hears. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. See, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are united together in this fullness of God. And this is the very nature of God. He is relational. And what's even more exciting is that they have invited us to join them in this union, to join them in this divine dance, that Jesus invites us to the Father. And he says, hold my Father's hand. And as you hold your father's hand, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and he says, I'm going to teach you how to dance. I'm going to teach you the direction of my love and of my heart. And before you know it, we are, we are in unity and we are dancing with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's just a beautiful picture of what God wants to do within us. We even see this in scripture as 1 Corinthians 16, 7 says, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And this invitation is for everyone as um, Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 says, in those days I will pour out my, my spirit upon all flesh, upon females and males and, and, and little children and old men and they will prophesy and, and they will proclaim my heart because they are one in me and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. See, the Holy Spirit is the living, active, and moving presence of the living God, inviting us into this abiding relationship with God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit is the pursuit of God's presence within us. See, God is relational, and he invites us to encounter himself through his presence and experience him. And because the Holy Spirit is active and relational, presence of God within us today, we can see him moving today, which gets us to the next question. Where is the Holy Spirit moving? Our second question we're going to talk about is rather what is the Holy Spirit up to or what he's all about? And these questions are going to point into the mission of God's heart for the whole world. And because the Holy Spirit is moving and abides within us, we are invited to participate in the ongoing work of God within the world, which the Holy Spirit 
was even part of from the very beginning of creation. Looking at the movement of the Holy Spirit during creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, it was void, and it was filled with darkness over all the deep, the precious Holy Spirit was hovering over and moving over the face of the waters. Just wanted to give you this little picture. Last weekend, um, our kids had uh, an extended weekend off of school. And so we all went down to Florida for a little mini vacation. And while we were there, we went on a fishing charter. We had a uh, fishing pro that knew the type of bait to get. He knew all the spots in the water. He knew all the species of fish, which is very important because to me, a fish is a fish, but there's species of fish. And um, as we were on this boat ride, and it was a lovely morning, um, I couldn't help but notice that there was like these flocks of, fit, like, um, of birds that were like swarming over a certain area of the water. And the captain, our fishing charter, he, he would go to that area because he said that where these fish are, they, they, were, they, were, they knew where the, um, not where the fish, where the birds were hovering, that's where the fish were. And I was just kind of watching them. They were hovering and flying together, and then they would, out of nowhere, just dive deep into the water. And then they would come back up. And as I was watching this play out over and over again, I just asked our captain, I'm like, do the fly, do the birds just, um, do they just go into the water hoping that they're going to catch a fish? And he's, he told me, he looked at me, and he's like, no, the, they, the birds see the fish. That's where the term a bird's eye view comes from. And I thought, wow, that was really incredible. So they see deep down underneath the water. And, and this morning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit wants to invite us to participate with them in this unity to have a wide-eyed Holy Spirit view of the mission of God's heart through the central message of his love to us through the gospel and good news of Jesus. See, he is actively actively. He's not sitting. He is actively moving over the waters of the human race and diving deep to bring in schools of people into himself through Christ of all tribes, of all nations, of all cultures, of every generation, of every gender, of every economic status, including and not yet excluding, not excluding, all that are poor in spirit, all who mourn and all who are gentle-hearted or disregarded as weak, all that are hungry and thirst. He is calling us all and even those that are persecuted and martyred for his namesake. Because in God's economy of salvation, there's no collateral damage. And all these and more, the Holy Spirit is moving over with a wide-eyed view of the mission of God, bringing into the everlasting kingdom of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, drawn by his never-ending love. Why is this mission so grand and expanse? I mean, there's a list of, of people I just named off. Why is it so grand and so expanse? Well, just as even Evan had preached last week, it is because God's love is so grand and so expanse. God's love is so grand and so expanse that he delights in you and me so much, so incredibly much, that it is his love for all mankind 
that propels his heart into action. God is not just sitting by, but he is forever moving toward us through the power of the Holy Spirit with all of his goodness. He is capturing our hearts back to him because our hearts are fickle and we are restless and we are constantly trying to find the next big thing. But in the Holy Spirit, when our, our hearts are at rest within the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit quickens and uni unites us into oneness with his love. His love is everything, you guys. Love is the direction of the Holy Spirit. It is the very love of God himself that draws us to love. As 1 John 14, 9 says, we are able to love because he loved us first. So the Holy Spirit moves in the direction of love. And check this out. It is actually the Holy Spirit that gives us his love. We see in Romans 5, 5, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is all about pouring the Father's love for all the world into our hearts as our lives become containers overflowing with the love of God, not only for us to receive, but for it to overflow into the lives of people that we're with, our family, our friends, our coworkers, people that we go to school with, that the love of God would overflow from our lives to the broken and to the ones considered less than or not worthy. And in so in receiving the love of God, we can give our yes to the Holy Spirit and our participation consenting with his participation and the ongoing work around us, in us and through us. And this word participation, um, we hear it nowadays and we often think of participation trophies where everybody gets a trophy, everyone gets an award. And, and you know, we've got the old schoolers who would be saying, let's just say it, Back in my day, it was good that they lost because they learn what loss is. It builds character, right? It gives them resilience. It gives them the drive to be better. And then you got the mothering hearts of the day that we just want to celebrate our kids for saying yes to participating in anything other than playing with their iPhones, right? So... We, this word participation is, it, we just, here's, here's where I'm going with this. Do you know that you and I are God's participation trophy to the world? Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So yes, we are all the participation trophy of God's ongoing work to the whole world that through our lives is the guarantee that God is still with us and he's still moving and he is still about doing his heart's desire of pouring out his love to all of us. That God is still on the move. God will never and ever be content in anything less than giving all his love away, which is himself. God's love is 100% unconditional and irrevocable. There's nothing you could have done or will ever do that will stop the love of God meeting you wherever you are. 
God gives us all his love. He gives his whole self through the mission of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, the mission of the gospel is the heart of the Father. Let me just say that one more time. The mission of the gospel is the heart of the Father. The mission of the gospel is his love for us, that we would come to know him through repentance and forgiveness of our sins. Our Father will never be hasty to call it quits. He will always pursue us even until our dying breath because it is his will that none should perish but that all would come, that the entire world and the universe would be restored to Christ by all things were created in him and through him and hold together in Christ. And if God is about us, <coughs> then the love we share with him, poured out to us by his Holy Spirit, will likewise compel us to be God's love to others. That the mission of the gospel, the heart of the Father, the love of God within us would overflow. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it becomes so much more, guys. It becomes so much more than our own story of our relationship with God. It becomes so much more than our story of our own salvation or how God has delivered or transformed us. And we start there, but it becomes this wide-eyed Holy Spirit view that is for the sake of the world. And I know this is sobering, but if we stop short at only receiving our faith just for ourselves because of whatever reason, then we sell Christ short and this, this statement isn't a shame because I am preaching to myself this morning that, that we should be so in love with God, so in love that his love compels us forward and out of ourselves. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the very power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This morning, if you don't hear anything else I say, I just want, this is like, oh, just so burning in my heart to share, is that the Holy Spirit, the sweet, precious person of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, his presence, is absolutely 100% essential to the gospel. The Holy Spirit isn't on the sidelines of the gospel. He isn't um, just, uh, you know, a figment of our, fam our imagination. He is a participant. He is co-equal with the God and, and the Father and God the Son because the Holy Spirit is, is the spirit of the mission of God's love. When we think of the gospel and our salvation, we, we think, and correctly so, we think of the person of Jesus Christ that God so loved us that he gave his only son. And this is, this is the gospel, Jesus Christ. And that without Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, we would, we would have nothing. We would still be in a dark, dark world. However, the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. And I just want to paint this picture of, of this, that the Holy Spirit is part of the story of Jesus. So we see right from the beginning Jesus being born of a humble virgin girl who said yes to the ongoing work of God in her life. 
Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that when she was afraid, an angel came to her and said, Fear not, Mary, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And when Joseph feared, the, another angel came and said, Fear not, Joseph, for the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit that caused little unborn John the Baptist to leap in his mother Elizabeth's womb when she met Mary. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice proclaimed blessings over Mary and prophesied, claiming that Jesus is Lord. And it was the Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters of Christ's baptism, unifying and blessing this father-son relationship. And it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights into temptation. And it was the Holy Spirit that kept Jesus through these temptations every step of the way, prompting the scriptures alive within his heart for Christ to declare the word of truth. And it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus out from the wilderness and into Nazareth as Jesus Christ was not only the first to preach the gospel, Jesus Christ was the anointed one of the gospel. And this is what Jesus preached, his first gospel. Jesus is the gospel. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. And today this passage has come true as you've heard it. And it was the Holy Spirit with Jesus, in the acts of miracles and love and forgiveness, that in all the thousands and thousands of years of world history and, and civilizations and cultures, in the span of 33 years of this life of Christ, forever changed the world, forever. And I know you're, some of you are getting the point, like, wow, the Holy Spirit's really involved with Jesus. <laughs> But I want you just to hang on with me for a little bit longer, and I actually want to just invite you into like an imaginative reflection. If you can just, if you would, if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes, and um, we just invite the Holy Spirit just to open up your imagination to what happened on this glorious day. Imagine with me right now, Christ our Lord, our Savior. After his death, being wrapped with strips of linens, laid upon a hard, cold stone, his body broken, packed with spices, covered with oils that wouldn't heal, but just to mask the scent of decay. This man who was perfect, not deserving this kind of death, let alone in a dark, cold tomb shut up where there's no light entering in for, three day, for over three days. And then the sweet, precious person, the Holy Spirit, enters this dark tomb. And as he moved over Christ, as he did in the beginning of the creation, 
He settles upon Christ's body. Maybe he starts moving upon Christ's feet, seeing the pierced nails, in the, the holes from the pierced nails. And then the Holy Spirit moves up and he sees the pierced hands of Christ, the eyes of gentle Jesus. He sees the wound in his side. He sees the broken and splintered body and back of Christ. And as the Holy Spirit is surveying the body of Christ, the lifeless body of Christ, the Holy Spirit settles and rests upon him. And the Holy Spirit, who is one in equality, and God himself, that is all about animating life, as he is the very spirit and breath of God, fills the lungs with Jesus, with fresh breath, fresh life, presence of God, and immediately we hear Christ take and gasp in his first breath, and the heart of Christ beats again, and the blood of Christ is multiplied as Christ once multiplied fish and bread for thousands. Here the Holy Spirit was multiplying Christ's life again, and the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is brought back to life. Amen? Nothing can separate us from us, the goodness, the unity of being with God. Nothing, and nothing will ever separate us because the same spirit that rose and moved into Jesus Christ is the same spirit that moves and lives in us today that we too are raised in new creation to walk in Christ. And when this Holy Spirit raises us in new creation, we do exactly what we see the Holy Spirit do in, in Christ's life. Just going backwards, we then begin to see the fruits of the Spirit engaged in our lives to bring healing and transformation and, and to recover sight for the blind, that we begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that as the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus, he anoints you and me, and that as you are in front of people like other Elizabeths, that the Holy Spirit will, will well up inside of you, that you can bless them and prophesy over them. And that the Holy Spirit in you conceives Jesus, Jesus himself within you. And we have nothing to fear. We have no, nothing to fear with death or even sins because Jesus did not only defeat death, but he defeated sin. And this morning, um, we spoke and sung about the freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and, and this was something the Lord showed me this morning is that for some of us, um, there's a struggle, this real struggle with, with our, our flesh. And, and, the, and just wanting to speak over you that spin, sin will not have dominion over you for you are not under law but under grace. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So addictions must go in the name of Jesus. All sorts of addictions need to go in the name of Jesus because as the Holy Spirit fills us, we are free and he guarantees us this presence that there is nothing better in this world than the presence of God. So this last slide and I will... Um, I just, yeah, just to let you know, we are closed. We're going to be closing here. But this last slide of what is the Holy Spirit inviting you and me and us into? 
Because the Holy Spirit is so integral to the gospel, it is the Holy Spirit within us that we're even able to say Jesus is Lord. Romans 8, 15 through 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, for the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. He bears witness, and we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we can't help but be about bearing witness to our Father, that our lives would be the fragrance of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that our love and joy and peace and patience, all this would be a sweet, savory fragrance to the world and others around us that would attract them to Jesus through the ongoing work of the Spirit. And that we too would be the city set on a hilltop as Christ said in Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And let your light shine so that in the same way others may see your good works and praise God. The world doesn't need more artificial light. The world needs the authentic light of the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us out of darkness. And you are invited to be the authentic light of the Holy Spirit to the world that glows and warms and fills all the space with the presence of God. I find no better way to end this time together in our sermon before we go into some prayer time um, just to read you the final words of Jesus Christ, of what he... um, what he was saying about the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is the one that invites us to the Holy Spirit. So right before Christ's crucifixion, Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth. It's for your advantage that I go away. For for me to go is for the Holy Spirit, the helper to come. And the second time we hear Jesus speak about the Holy Spirit was right after his resurrection. The disciples were afraid, and they, they hid together. They locked themselves in a room, and, and Christ appears before them, and he says, peace be with you. And then he goes on to say, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And lastly, in Acts 1 Jesus is with his disciples right before he ascends to the Father. He tells them, For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Christ tells them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. For he whom God sent utters the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure.